But I am not afraid to, like, I'll just fight you. Yeah. Just, we'll just see who wins. Just, His name is Ahmed Ahmed. <laughs> I was in a movie a while back where, uh, where I played a terrorist. And the movie was about a bunch of terrorists who hijack an airplane. Imagine that. It was great. Lebanese people were like, talk to me. They call me. <laughs> right here. You know? Okay, do it one more time. <clears throat> Sit down. You will obey. Or I'll kill you in the name of Allah. If you Google Florida man calls 911 on Muslim comic, I pop up. <laughs> <laughs>
the Lebanese people were partying on rooftops, like rooftop clubs. Yeah. Like we, we would see the planes, we'd see, we, yeah. we would see the throwing the missiles. We didn't care. Like us, the people, we just want to continue living life. So that's what happened. I was, I remember talking to, I can't remember who it was, a few people, but there was one guy in particular when I said, well, what was it like during the war? He said, we hired the DJ. <laughs> we bought like hundreds and hundreds of bottles of alcohol. <laughs> and we went to Faraya. Yeah. <laughs> and we partied in the mountains. And we can look down from the mountains and see the bombs over here, bombs over there, bombs everywhere. That's exactly what happened. It's, it's exactly yeah, I think you happened. went to Faraya or something. I went to Faraya and uh, Romana and all these places. And it's it was just like life goes on. Yeah. yeah. And I was telling Peter on the way here... Um, that so we're getting shows like I've I'm on a tour right now around the Middle East. We're doing Bahrain next, uh, Doha, uh, Oman, and we were supposed to do Kuwait, but it got canceled. Okay. Um, everybody's really really nervous um, because of what's going on. But but Lebanon has a life goes on mentality. Yeah. You're not going to sit there and watch Al Jazeera, you know, 24 hours a day yeah. and be stuck in your house and afraid to go out and that kind of stuff. And, you know, these are the, the countries that are canceling these shows, they're not even part of the war. They're just exactly. observing it, yeah. and they think, oh, well, we should be in solidarity. And, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with supporting Gaza. What's happening over there is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm donating some of my time and, and even money and, and trying to wrap my head around the whole concept of it. But when you're canceling shows for performers and entertainers, you're taking work away from yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's the same as working in, uh, in any other field. Well, I was t- that's what I said to Peter on the way here. I said, I said, would you tell a mechanic not to go to the automotive shop because yeah. there's a war going on? Would you tell a baker not to go to the bakery? Would you tell a cashier not to go to the supermarket? Yeah, would, exactly. Would you tell a, a teller not to go to the bank and work? You know, it's like, so for, for people to say, oh, you're comedians, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be laughing at this time, you know, yeah. in the world. It's quite the opposite. We need to lean into it and provide yeah. some sort of relief. And laughter is a relief. It's a very healing, you know, uh, form and method of being able to absorb what's happening. You know? It's yeah. not only that, but the thing is also, if we want to live the news every day, then we would never be happy. Oh, yeah. Like for the rest of our, because we've been... Not at war, but we've been like not at peace for the like. I'm 35, and I know war since I was like zero. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we we've, we've been through so much. We need that relief. Like we don't. It's not that we don't care, but we need to go on with our lives. We want we want a stand up show. We want to go to watch a play. We want to go to the movies. We still mm-hmm. have to continue living. Yeah, life. and 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 we can support in other ways like uh, donating and, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Like I was, I was telling again. I was telling Peter on the way here. A lot of people are hitting me up on social media saying, well, how come you're not being outspoken you know, yeah. against the war? And I'm like, technically I am as a, as a comedian because I do reference it a little bit. Am I out there protesting in the streets? No. Am I out there shouting on social media against it? No. But, and, and in all due fairness, and I'm not trying to belittle my voice, I'm not going to move the needle. If I go on you know, social media and tell the Israeli government and the IDF, this is wrong, you need to stop, you think Netanyahu's going to go, oh. <laughs> guys, Ahmed Ahmed said, stop everything, cut it, go down. You know? yeah. So it's just like, you know, I get people are angry and I get, because I am, I mean, we're all sort of, yeah. I mean, I, and you, you, know, you kind of saw it coming. I mean, if you're from the Middle East and follow the news at all, I have some of my American friends who, they're out to, they have, they're out to space. They have yep. no idea what's going on. And I was talking to my American buddy the other day, right when the thing happened, and I was like, man, are you watching the news? He's like, nope. <laughs> I said, how come? He's like, man, I'm busy, and I got kids, and yeah. I don't, it's depressing, and I don't want to, and I get it, but you also have to understand what's happening in Gaza and Israel, it's affecting the whole planet. Yep. It's not just them. Yep. It's not just an isolated incident. It's, it's you know, sp- spawning out yep. and affecting the whole planet. Because bigger countries want to be involved. and it's, it, Well, it's, not only that, but people are stressed. People yeah. have relatives that are in, involved or indirectly yeah. involved. Yeah. Um, you know, the humanitarian 
support or lack thereof is a big issue. And people are uh, losing their friends because of the conversation. Oh, you should see the, uh, the, the, the divide happening right now. It's incredible, especially, you know, because I live in Hollywood. So a lot of these, like, yeah. actors and, you know, filmmakers and musicians and artists and comedians, and, and on both sides. I stand with Israel. I stand with Palestine. Yeah. And then you have the people that are kind of in the middle that just want to stay neutral. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's a very divisive time right now. I mean, in Hollywood, you kind of sort of have to walk a straight line. I remember, uh, what's his name, uh, Tim Allen. He was on Jimmy Kimmel, and uh, he he announced he said on Kimmel that he voted for Trump, and he he compared Hollywood to third, 1930s Germany. Mm. Next thing you know, he has the highest rating TV show on ABC at the time. Five minutes later, he gets he gets canceled. Mm. Now the reason they said the, for the cancellation is because oh they're coming up with new shows, but you don't cancel the highest rating no, show because Hollywood's very very liberal, and they. If you you can say one wrong, look at Roseanne Barr. She yeah. got canceled. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. It could be the highest, you know. Rate, you know, Mel Gibson. Yeah. He said something about the Jewish, you know, community or something. I can't remember what he said, but you know, they tried to cancel him, and then he, you know, he apologized, and then he made Passion of the Christ and became, you know, yeah. <laughs> made like a billion dollars. Yeah. So. It's like. Okay, he's back. He's back. <laughs> one movie will bring you back. Yeah. One show or Just whatever. find a way to make us money and you're good. Yeah, and Hollywood's very, you know, the media in general, but Hollywood specifically, is run and controlled by the Jewish community. Yep. It's just there's no secret. No. <clears throat> and, um, you know, you do or say one bad thing and... You're done. As, as fast as they build you up, They'll take you down just as fast. It's even faster than that. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. Do you feel Do you feel like there are new limits for the for the comedians on in, instead of comedy? Like what do you mean? Like, like before, it was like uh, the terrorist thing. You know, mm. you can't talk about this. Do you feel like there's something new for the Arabs or Muslims that they can't talk about, or is it easier right now? Well, yes and no. I mean, I, it's it's a mixed bag. Because stand-up comedy is, is under attack as well. Mm. When I say under attack, I mean literally under attack. You know, Dave Chappelle yep. got tackled on stage at the Hollywood Bowl. Chris Rock got slapped at the Oscars by Will Smith. Yeah. I've had somebody call 911 on me over a joke in Florida. Wow. Yeah, if you Google... I, uh, think, I think I've seen that joke where yeah. he said, how many Arabs in the house? One, two, three. And you're like, oh, it only takes one of it us. It only takes something. one of us. <laughs> so I, I did that joke in Florida. <laughs> and this guy thought that I said, um, there's enough of us to start our own little terrorist organization, yeah. which I never said. Yeah. And so he took it out of context and he called 911 on me. Um, and then the oh, cop, two cops showed up to like interview me. Anyway, At, at and, the show? Yeah, the wow. next the next day. They, the next day. Oh, okay. but wow, man! Actually, someone called the cops on you. If you Google "Florida man calls 911 on Muslim comic," I pop up. <laughs> like dozens and dozens of articles: CNN, BBC, TMZ. Oh wow! And so, yeah, there are, there are limits. I think you just as a comic in general, but as mm -hmm. a Middle Eastern, you know, yeah. Arab American, Muslim, uh, you know, Egyptian. Um, there are limits, and then there's limits to you know when you criticize something or or, or a superpower. Let's say, yeah. like in America, you're supposed to speak truth to power. That's just how it works, mm -hmm. you know. Whereas, like in the Middle East, you can't talk about government, you can't talk about politics, royalty, mm -hmm. none of that. Islam. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, you know it. You know the first the first ever comedy show or. Uh, like tour I went to was the Axis of Evil in 2007. Oh, here? Yeah. At the casino? At the casino. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was there. You were, you and Maz Jobrani. Maz Jobrani uh -huh. and uh, Wan Ho Chung. Yeah. And Abidal, uh, what, what's his name? The oh, Aaron, Aaron K. Aaron? Yep. Oh, Aaron, okay. Yeah. And Sebastian, I think. Sebastian no, was here? No, so Sebastian came later. Yeah. He came later when we did, um, the, we did uh, the forum, Forum de Beirut. Oh, okay. I think I, I, I went to the forum one. Not the okay, then that was think it, yeah. So. Yeah, 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 because the because I saw Sebastian. Yeah, Sebastian yeah. Was, was with us then. Yeah. That that show was amazing. Did you did you see it? No, did no, it? I did not. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. But I was I was telling him earlier. I'm like, I just want to ask you one question. First name Ahmed, last name Ahmed. Oh. <laughs> 
you're a working comedian who's traveling all the time. Back in the day, probably not now, but what was the TSA run through for you? Well, I mean, still to this day, I, I get, um, you know, I'll get detained sometimes. Um, still happens. Well, I got detained. I was in, I was in Palestine two months ago for the Palestine Comedy Festival, which was run by Amir Zahir. Okay. Who's an Arab American comedian, professor of law, uh, activist, musician, businessman, author. He's jack of all trades, master of all of them. And um, he runs this annual comedy festival in Palestine. And I've done it before. I did it back in 2015. And then I just did it again recently, just two months ago. But going through the Tel Aviv airport was a shit show. The first time I was there, I got detained for 12 hours. Wow. 12 hours. Strip search. Did you, did you have the beard? No. Oh. No, I was just... Just by just, name. Just by name. Wow. Okay. And then this time, two months ago, I was detained, but not for 12 hours. Maybe for like half an hour. Wow. But um, in America, that... And I think, who knows, it might go back to that again. Like every time there's a war yeah. or there's a terrorist attack or whatever, yeah. right my, away, name, that's the my name gets flagged. Right away, that's the target. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, during like after 9-11, I was detained literally every time I went to the airport. I had major anxiety, panic attacks and wow. stress because I knew, I knew going in, they're going to, you're going to get thrown in the... The brown room. I call yeah, it. especially like someone like you. You travel all the like literally. Yeah. You travel every two days. You're in a different state every two days, yeah. and it's kind of like I can imagine the hassle. Yeah, it's it's it was uncomfortable for a while. I've been, I got arrested, uh, twice, once in Las Vegas and once at the Mexican border. Um. So yeah, having the name Ahmed Ahmed doesn't. What What was the reason me. for the arrest in Vegas? Is <laughs> no, just because it was right after it was right after President Bush was reelected. Oh, okay. So they were doing like a crackdown on like a, uh, what do you call it? Like um, martial law. Yeah. So they, were, they, they had arrested, detained, and profiled over 10,000 Arabs and Muslims um, the day after President Bush. Just out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Wow. And I was one of them. You just, you just someone's name. Like, I can get away with it just because my name is Peter. It's like, all right. Yeah, you have the whitest name. <laughs> <laughs> It's Even like, Sammy. I can get away with it. Yeah. He's 50%. It's like, Sammy, mm, what is he? We're not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no. Uh, when, when your name's Ahmed, yeah, it's, 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 it's an obvious Muslim name. Yeah. Um, but the, I, the irony is I have an American passport. So it's like, mm. it's sort of like, and I speak perfect English. Yeah. And, you know, I always tell people when they detain me, hey, I'm a comic. And they're like, yeah, right. <laughs> say something funny say, say something, something funny, funny. Uh, did you, did, do you get that it's like you go to a bar it's like oh I'm a comedian oh yeah say something funny come on dance monkey dance say some, tell a knock knock joke <laughs> my, I used to I had a joke in my act a long time ago when when I used to tell like the, the TSA or you know security mm. I'm a comedian they say say something funny <laughs> and I say well I just graduated from flight school <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't always go over well no see now I know why you got detained see now we're getting to the, the root of the problem do you, uh, do you remember the first time you went on stage like is it, was it on improv plays or mm. like the first first time like for like a professional show or no no just amateur yeah I did I remember I grew up in Riverside California which is about an hour outside mm -hmm. of LA and I remember doing, I can't remember what it was, man. It was like some sort of fundraiser gathering. I, I, honestly, I can't even remember now that I think about it. It was at a college maybe. Yeah, I did like, a, it was, you know, I, I stood at a podium and I kind of like talked about my parents for like five minutes and I got like mild laughs and I was like, all right, maybe I'll do it. But I didn't really, and then I didn't do it for a long time. Okay. And then I, I, I'm trying to think, oh, okay, you know what? The first time I actually went on stage like for an open mic night. It was a place called the uh, LA Cabaret Comedy Club okay. uh, on Ventura Boulevard in the Valley. I don't know it, but yeah. Like Sherman Oaks, California. Okay. Uh, it was, the club's not there anymore, but it was a big sort of like premier uh, comedy club. They had an open mic night like on a Tuesday. And I remember showing up and you, you would sign up and they give you like five minutes and there were like 40 comedians in the audience, only comedians. And I remember going up on stage and talking about like my family for five minutes and 
and I got laughs from from comics, which I thought was re refreshing because I was like, oh, if you can make comedians laugh, then you you know you're you're you know you're doing something good. Yeah. And I came off stage, and then I went on stage a few times after that, and I bombed really bad. What happens with comics is, if you have your first good set, you think, oh, I made it. You got it. And then you fail for the next, like, several years. Um, you know, I've, I, to this day, I have bad sets, you know? You just never know. But everyone talks about that. Even Dave, Dave Chappelle says, well, how's the crowd? The crowd's good. The crowd's bad. Like, even Dave Chappelle still to this day says, oh, I, I, bombed, I bombed the other day. It was just a bad crowd. Yeah. I, I, I typically try not to blame the audience. Right. Sometimes I do, like, I would say 99% of the time I take, my, I take accountability. I blame yeah. myself. I wasn't energetic enough. My timing was off. I was tired. I didn't do the right material, whatever. You do uh, crowd work, right? I'd, I'd like to do crowd work, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's fun for me because... So, so it depends also on the, on the audience. Like, it's like... Uh, If they're receptive. It's a, it's, it's a bit tricky. Yeah. yeah. It depends. Like, I'd, last night when I did my show at the Ked Theater, um, I did mostly material, but I did about a good 20 minutes of crowd work. Like, in between, I was yeah. just kind of, like, intertwining it. Okay. And it was great. Lebanese people were like, talk to me. And I did. They like to interact. Some people don't like it. Some people will just go, like, move on. Yep. You know, don't talk to me. I'm just here with my date. Yeah. But... Um, Yeah, so that was the first time that I'd gone on stage at the uh, L.A. Comedy Ca LA Cabaret Comedy Club. And then I just started doing, like, open mic here, open mic there, coffee shops, poetry night. You drive 50 miles to, a, like, a dive bar. They give you, like, a hamburger and a beer. Yeah. You know, it was, it was uh, coming up as a comedian... It's not fancy. There's nothing glamorous about it. It's it's no, actually it's quite work. it's quite the opposite. Yeah. It's not so much that it's hard work. It's that's there's no you there, there's no you have to really earn your respect. Yep. In the comedy world, and once you become undeniably funny, that's when people start respecting you. You know, and yeah. then when you start getting like TV credits and movie credits, and you get on the Tonight Show and shit like that. You've done the Tonight Show, right? I did it once. Yeah, yeah. with yeah. Jay Leno. Yeah. 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 He was a nice guy. How was it? How was it being on the Tonight Show? It was great. It was a milestone in my career and any comedian's career, you know, to to be on national television yeah. and have Middle America watching you and millions of audience, millions yeah. of eyeballs. Yeah. yeah, it didn't it didn't change my career much. Like I didn't get a TV deal out of it. It wasn't right. like it, you know it didn't move the needle that much. Right. I think. But to I have think that the credit, hype of that was like David have Letterman that or Johnny Carson. Like like they were known as like. Like when Johnny Carson calls you onto the couch, if he calls you onto yeah, the I couch... Yeah, I didn't get called on the couch. But to have that credit is a good stripe mm. to yeah, have. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I remember when I moved to L.A., I was like, I want to try stand-up. So I went to uh, the Improv on Melrose. Mm. And on Wednesday, they had open mic. Mm. So I signed up. I went on there. First night, crickets. It was bad. It was just crickets. Second night, cockroaches. I wish. No, no, I wish it was that. Wednesday after that, I'm like, let me try again. I went, even the crickets left the building. <laughs> it was that bad. The third time, third Wednesday, the chairs at the bar, they, they left the building. It was that bad. And then one time I was like, you know what? I snuck in a video recorder. I want to record myself, see what's going on. So I went up. I did the thing. It was horrible. I went back and I, watched my, I was watching myself and I realized that I was imitating a lot. I was imitating a lot of the people that I grew up watching, let's say like Robin Williams, Chris Rock, and I was like doing kind of like their style, their moves, you know? Like, I was like, oh no, I, I, I stink. <laughs> so I worked on it a little bit more, and then I think two weeks after that, I went there, I got like one laugh, and I was like, that's it. I got one laugh, and that was the last time I did stand up. I'm like, I'm not doing this again. You got a taste just, of it. Yeah. Like, I got, I got taste of the silence, and it's such a horrible, horrible it's brutal. feeling. Nobody, you know, that, the whole idea of stand-up comedy is to get people to laugh, and when yep. they don't, it's like any art form. I, and I also think, like, because I sucked when I first started. Yeah. Sometimes I think I still suck. But when you, But that's a when you first thing. start out, yeah, when you first start out, you're, nobody's good at anything when you first start out. If you're a chef, filmmaker, dancer, you know, yep. painter... You got to start from scratch, literally start from scratch, find your voice. And what, to your point, a lot of comedians start out 
taking other comedians like cadence, yeah. isms, whatever word you want to define it. Which is what I did, yeah. It. yeah. And, and, and it really takes away from who you are yep. as opposed to just staying, holding your ground and staying in your lane and doing what you want to do as opposed to like mimicking other people. Um, and you'll see that a lot with, with comedians when they first start out. They think, oh, let me, let me take this guy's style. Yeah, and, 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 and people hate that, you know. The, the audience hate when people, like when comedians copy someone that they love. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like at one point I saw my voice, like I'm watching myself, like I saw my voice like going up, like like doing a Chris Rock thing, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> wait, why am I screaming in a squeaky voice? Yeah, we go to the store <laughs> next time. It's like, why am I screaming in a squeaky voice right now? Why am I doing that? Like, I don't talk like that. What's going on? And I'm like using the hand gestures of like Robin Williams when he goes like, did it, did it. I'm like, you wait, everyone. Yeah, it's like, what am I doing? <laughs> so no, 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 just stand back, just tell the story. So when I did that, I was like, okay, that story got a laugh, but I just couldn't do, I just couldn't do it. You know, it's like, it wasn't, I knew it wasn't for me. I'm a comedy writer, but there's a big difference between like writing comedy. Or, yeah, there's a big difference. It's funny because Mitzi Shore, God rest her soul, who used to own the comedy store. She's, do mm -hmm. uh, you know who she is? I, I think I heard about it. I think I saw the, I, I watched Kill Tony. Do you, do you know? Yeah, I know, I know Tony. So I think they talked about her once. Like, She's legendary. She's the one who started my career in comedy. Techn well, I started before I got there, but she's the one who was like really like a um, like a mentor for me. Okay. And they should say she's a hard ass on comedians. Yeah, but she was a, for me. She was a mentor. Yeah. And um, you know her her whole thing was just be yourself. That was like her whole rule of thumb as a comic, like be yourself. And um, uh, gosh, what's his name? The guy who had his own uh, TV show, uh, Larry, not Larry David, we'll have to dig it out. But anyhow, he was a comedy writer. Right. And he auditioned at the comedy store for like eight years, I think. And Mitzi would never pass him as a comic. She said, you're not a comic, you're a writer. Wow. There's, a, there's a difference. Big difference. And I think some people think comedy is um, just easy they see people do it they go i can do that it's like no i can't all because you're funny at work or in front of your family or in front of your exactly, friends yeah. it doesn't translate to strangers in an audience you know it's rare it's rare you hear a comedian winning an oscar or like someone in comedy winning an oscar well you don't really hear that at all well no that's not true robin williams won an oscar for, for good, good will hunting good will hunting wasn't playing comedy it doesn't matter. He's a comedian. No, no, he's a comedian. But I'm saying, like, you don't see a comedy movie. Oh no, comedy no, 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 Oscars, Oscar, yeah, they, yeah. because the Academy's so fucking snobby. Yeah. That, God forbid, you give an Oscar to a person that makes you laugh. But mm. by the way, the Golden Globes uh, op uh, opened up the a new category for stand-up comedians. Oh, did they? Yeah, for there's a new stand-up oh, yeah, category by stand-up comedians. Yeah, I read that. Oh. That's actually pretty cool. Like they're actually giving uh, like comics their credit, going like, mm. you guys, like the best, like. You guys actually do hard work, do real work. Finally, so let, let's give you some nice <laughs> That's good. Credit. That's nice. <laughs> no, but you look at you look at comedians who who transcend into dramatic acting. Mm -hmm. Robin Williams won an Oscar. Eddie Murphy, mm -hmm. uh, I think he won an Oscar. He didn't win. Dreamgirls, he didn't win. He was nominated. He was, he was nominated, nominated, but he didn't. But win. still, even to be nominated, yeah. yeah. Um, Tom Hanks. Steve Carell. Jim Carrey. Just Steve Carell, did he? That, yeah, when he played... He, well, he, uh, well, he's, but he's not a stand-up comedian. He's not a stand-up comedian, but he's a comedy actor. I no, but I'm saying straight-up, oh, straight raw stand-up comics. Got it. Tom Hanks used to do stand-up comedy. Did he, he really? He, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I knew he was in TV, but I didn't know yeah, he I, did stand-up Michael, Michael Keaton used to be a stand-up comedian. Really? Wow. Wow, that's... Like, I would never expect them to be stand-up comedians at all. Yeah, they were all stand-ups. Who else? Well, Jim Carrey, obviously. Yeah. Um... Who are some of your idols? Like, who did you look up to in comedy? You know, I, I started, the, 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 I guess the person that made me want to do stand-up comedy, I always liked it, and I, like, okay, so for instance, the first comedy album I ever listened to was Steve Martin. Mm -hmm. And um, I forgot the name of his, the album that he did. He had a really funny album where the cover he had, like, you know those the, the bone you know what? The, the I, arrow. I, can, I can tell you the name mm. of that album. I know it. Um, shit, I'm blanking on it, but yeah, okay. I know. So it's Steve Martin. I was nine years old, I think, or eight years old when I just was listening to his album. My friend's dad had a collection of comedy and like music albums. We'd go go into his den and play this stuff. 
Um, and then I would watch Richard Pryor, which I mm -hmm. thought was he was a genius. But Eddie Murphy Delirious, Delirious was, yeah, the, was, the, was the special that I watched that made me go, wow, this guy took it to like rock yep. star, sexy, cool. He, he was wearing the red, the red yeah, leather the red suit. Leather jacket. The red leather, he came, yeah. He came out all cocky. He was in Washington, D.C., 10,000 people. This was, yeah. He was 22 years old at the time. Mm. And this was when he was red hot on Saturday Night Live. But it's like what you said. He actually turned stand-up comedians into rock stars. He came yeah. out with that vibe. He yeah, he was, like, he was the guy who, who, who made comedy cool. Yeah. Comedy was never cool back before... It was like an Eddie underground Murphy. scene a little bit, probably. It wasn't underground. It was just like if you were a comic, you were like this raw kind of nerdy guy, whether you were yeah. black, white, Mexican, or whatever. Eddie Murphy made it like anybody can do it. Yeah. And, and it could be cool and sexy. You know, chicks were yeah. all over him. And he was on the hottest TV show at the time. And, you know, he was the first comic to come out with like, a, you know, a red leather fucking jumpsuit and shit yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, who does that, you know? We were actually talking about the other day is like, do you still can you still find someone funny if something were to happen them to them? Let's say Bill Cosby, like can people still find Bill Cosby funny even after like all the? He's supposed to go out on tour. Really? Yeah, he's like scheduling a comedy tour. He's, he's free. Yeah, he yes, is. Bill yeah, Cosby's yeah. free. Yeah, he's free. Yeah, I think they're calling wow. it the, the Me Too tour. <laughs> <laughs> the Me Too tour. Wait, is he like? Are people gonna come out and watch him? You think he? I don't know. I don't. I don't manage him, so I don't know. No, I know you don't manage him. But <laughs> I don't know, but Google, you should Google it, research it. He's, he's doing he, a tour. Huh? First of all, forget all the allegations. He's like in his mid nineties. It's like, uh, can he still do a tour? People, you know, like Louis C.K. He got me too. Yeah, but and he sold he's out. Blind. He sold out the the Kodak <laughs> Theater, which holds four thousand yeah. people twice. Mm. I so, think Louis C.K. is on a good company. He's gonna come back. Right, bit. but I'm saying my point is. People, look, and we'll see what Bill Cosby has to say in, on, in his tour or on his tour. Um, you know, he can say one or two wrong things and he'll get booed off stage. I don't know. But if Louis C.K. can make a comeback, and Louis C.K. wasn't drugging girls, it wasn't that kind of no. thing. You know, he whipped out his, his, his penis and started masturbating in front of... He was asking permission if I can whip out my and, penis. And, and, and he can joke about it. He did in his yeah. in his special, his last well, special. Bill he, Cosby cannot joke no. about what he did. No, it's it, it's different. I don't. I personally don't think he'll get away with it, but yeah. maybe he will. You never know. He might come out and say, "Yes, I did all this, and I'm asking for forgive. This is my forgiveness tour, or whatever. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know." When Bill Co when uh, sorry Louis C.K. came out, I think was it last year or a year or two years ago? He came out first act out of the. Uh, uh, like after the whole thing, and addressed he, got, it. he got booed off stage. Mm. Like people were booing him. Mm. But I think like time has gone by where people are like not not forgetting, but it's like let's let's give him another shot. Right. But all they were asking of him is like address the issue, talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think he did. And after after he did, it's kind of like okay, we can watch you now. We can watch you. Well, when you make fun of yourself after you've done something wrong, nobody can make fun of you because you already you, you beat him to the you beat him to the punch. So if you make a mistake in life and then come out publicly and say, I, I fucked up, I made it. Can I curse on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first like, podcast where you can say it. I've already you dropped want. like 10 F-bombs. <laughs> um, if you come out and say, hey, I fucked up yeah. and I'm taking accountability and, you know, and make fun of it, make fun of yourself, I was stupid, I made a mistake, and blah, blah, then people can't really touch you because you, yeah. are, you already did it. You already, you already pointed out the elephant in the room. Yeah. So it depends on how you handle it. But it's weird because we live in a world where it feels like you cannot fuck up anymore. Like mistakes are not allowed. Right. Like, and, it's like, and we're humans at the end of the day. We do mess up. We do make mistakes. But it kind of feels like everyone's watching all the time. There's cameras on you all the time. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like you really have to be careful 24-7 because mm -hmm. you're being watched 24-7. Yeah. And one, one, one small mistake, any, any career you might have, yeah. one small mistake, you're done. And, that, and that's killing comedy as stand-up comedians and sitcoms and, and yeah. all of that. Everyone is being safe. Well, look at Michael Richards from oh, uh, yeah. Seinfeld, Kramer. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. He was hot for a minute, yep. you know, from Seinfeld. He didn't really do much, I think, before and after that. But, you know, he went up on stage and said the N-word yep. multiple times and said it with aggression, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he was doing, like, he was doing crowd work, but someone, like, yeah, threw And he, he didn't know how to handle it because he's, he's not a comedian. Mm. He's a comedic actor, right. so that's that's the difference. You can be on a sitcom and have a script and a live audience, mm. but he never had stand-up comedy 
background or training. Right. So he didn't know how to handle a heckler or do crowd work yeah. and all that. So he just, I think he got nervous in the moment. And I think the black, the person that was heckling him was black. Yeah. And he just started going at him. And I think something in his head thought, oh, I'll just call this person. And then, you know, he went on to say, like, you know, so they should hang you from a tree and shit like that. It's like, oh, wow. okay, bro. <laughs> Relax. We're at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood, you know. And he, he got canceled. I mean, he never... Came back after yeah, that. No, he, he never. never he did it. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Comedians in Cars with Jerry Seinfeld. Mm. He interviewed him and they talked about it. And like he was thanking Jerry because Jerry Seinfeld was one of the people who stood by him, yeah. tell, like telling people he's not racist. It's just like spur of the moment. He had, like, he had a bad. Type, he had yeah, a bad it's just night. a bad night. Did did Mike? I didn't see the episode. Did Michael Richards apologize? Yeah, he his? apologized yeah. and he was like, like I wish I can do stand up, but I just can't do it anymore. Like right. it, 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 like it took a toll on him that yeah, night. He, well, and he still imploded. Does, he imploded. Yeah. And once you implode, you know, it's really hard to build back your character. Yeah, because it wasn't a joke. It, it wasn't a bad joke. It was it malicious. Was, yeah. yeah. yeah was. But that was, what, like 10 years ago or mm. something like that. And he's still saying, like, because in the episode, he was still saying, like, it takes a toll on him even after that long of a time. He still, like, hasn't forgiven himself for mm. what had happened mm. or didn't know how to basically, like you said, like, know how to deal with the situation in, in of itself at the time. Yeah. Which is something like... Because, like, you're a stand-up comedian. You don't know when a heckler is going to come at you. And at the, at the end of the day, you're a human being. And let's say you're, you're just having a bad day. And you go on stage, and you, you let that bad day, probably with a heckler... Get the just, best of you, yeah. Yeah, get the best of you. Yeah. And you might say... Now, you might be careful, but sometimes things get said. Mm. But it also kind of depends on what you're saying. Maybe. As I'm getting older, there are times, like, if somebody heckles me or... I feel like a word's gonna come out of my mouth. And I just go, nope, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. I have to actually catch myself. But you feel like you get heckled on purpose, though. Like not just like because maybe you're doing a bad joke, or whatever. But like, do you feel like hecklers are doing it on purpose to get the best of you? It depends. It it all depends. No two nights are ever the same. No two hecklers are ever the same. Some people do go to comedy clubs to heckle. They think that's their job to wow. help us out and to to try to rattle our cage. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't get rattled that easy anymore. I used to when I was younger. Mm. Now when people try to heckle me, I just... Do you, do you enjoy it sometimes? Like when a heckler, you can... Oh, because, I, yeah, I mean, I don't enjoy it, but I do enjoy shutting them down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I have a very sharp tongue. This is when improv skills come <laughs> No, I can, I can, like, make somebody, like, go have to go to therapy. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, I'll start being like, "Hey, your dad never hugged you and shit like that." Like, I'll I'll get really. Oh, you uh, go personal. You go. Yeah, you got like, deep. It's like, shut up! I'm I'm, the, I'm fucking performing, man. Shut your mouth. <laughs> you know, I've had people try to fight me and stuff. You know, and I'm just like, all right, I'm off in like 15 minutes, so I'll meet you in the parking lot. You know. Does it, Does it ever go there like after the show? No, because most most comics won't do what I do. Okay. But I'm not afraid to like. I'll just fight you. Yeah. And just, we'll just see who wins. Let's, just, let's meet up in the parking lot. His name is Ahmed Ahmed. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a fighter, but I'm, but not, still, yeah. but I'm not a pussy either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I have a backbone and I respect myself. Yeah. And, um, and I'll tell people in the audience, hey, man, just respect yourself and everything will be fine. Yeah. See, all these, see all these people around you that bought tickets and came out for date night and spent money and all this shit? Let them enjoy the night and you sit down and you shut your fucking mouth. Yeah. I'll say, like, I'll get like that sometimes. And the people are just like, ooh, you shouldn't say anything. <laughs> That's but I, don't, but I, but I don't tolerate that. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm one of the very few comics who, who I stand up for myself. Yeah. I always have. I've always been vocal. You know, it's, it's not always a good thing. It's gotten me in trouble sometimes. Mm. But I'm not, you know, nobody's going to throw me a lifeline. Sometimes you're at comedy clubs, there's no security no bouncers, yeah. you're just kind of out there by yourself. You're like a, your man on a lifeboat, you know, out to sea, waiting but, for somebody to save you. But do you see that being like more of a US audience versus like the rest of the world type audience? Cause I would say, like, like you said, in Lebanon, you can say do whatever the fuck you want and people are gonna be receptive to, to, to it and just laugh about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've traveled all over the world. I've, I've done stand-up comedy in probably 40 plus countries. I would say, I would say America probably has the most problem with hecklers. It's typically like older white women. Karens. Karens, Karen. Debbies, Deborah, whatever the fuck. They always, they always have something to say, and you shouldn't say that. And how dare you? And, you know, it's like, bitch, shut up. 
just shut up. Just if you didn't, if you don't, if you can't handle a stand-up comedy show, stay home and watch Netflix. Yeah. Because then you can talk to the TV and they're not going to talk back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why it's always funny to see a heckler, as, as, let's say, at a Dave Chappelle show. It's like, it's Dave Chappelle. He's going to run his mouth. And you know he's going to run his mouth. Like, not run his mouth in a bad way. Just, like, being funny, being who he is. Like, I remember one heckler was like, I don't know what Dave Chappelle was talking about. Some heckler came at him. He's like, ah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, I'm not doing the show for that one person. I'm yeah. doing the show for the crowd. Well, that one person wants all the attention drawn onto them. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they want to be able to go home and tell their friends and family, I interacted with Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 3,000 people were there. But I was, I, me, I. Yeah. The camera was on me for two seconds. Narcissistic behavior, you know, again, like. You know, your parents never hugged you when you were a kid. <laughs> I'm imagining you go, do you need a hug? I can hug you right now. No, I, I wouldn't say I that. <laughs> I would just say, you know, you, you should have gotten hugged as a child. You know what? There's also a thing called therapy. Yeah. So go, go see a therapist. Maybe that'll mm -hmm. help out your problem. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm watching, like, the Kill Tony. Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes they make fun of, like, Asians or black people. Mm -hmm. And mostly the white people get offended. The black guy is laughing. You right. can laugh as well. So, do you, do you have that with the with, yeah. the with the Arab jokes, right? Well, not so much because white people don't understand our culture. They just mm -hmm. don't. True. They don't understand Islam. They don't understand the Arab culture. They've never traveled to the Middle East. You know, the only thing they understand from our culture is like hummus and falafel. Yeah. <laughs> and Baba Ganoush and tabbouleh. <laughs> oh, I, I had a tabbouleh today. Oh my God, it's like vegan. <laughs> but they don't. They don't. They've, they've, they've never sweat, bled, cried, smelled, experienced. Yep. They don't understand. They've never been to any of the any of the MENA regions. Mm. You know, Egypt, Saudi, Lebanon. Like they've they've never even touched the Middle East. Yeah. Um, so they don't. For me personally, they don't really get offended if I make fun of you know, Arabs. Um, but yeah, if I talk about like black people or Asian people, whatever, I've had, I've had, and like, again, it's typically white women who, who, they, you know, they, I can't believe he said that about, you know, it's yeah. just like, believe it. <laughs> believe it. I just said it. I'll say it again. <laughs> it's like, they feel like it's their job to say yeah. something, like to defend the world. No, from, this yeah. whole like, oh, I'm the moral police bullshit. Take, yeah, yeah. Go, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> What's next for you? Um, I just uh, finished a TV show, at like 10 episodes, and now we're trying to sell it. And I just took a break from shooting because mm. the last four years were horrible. I have a script for you. Yeah, you yeah. do? Yeah. Okay. It's almost done. It's a rom-com. Okay. Romantic comedy, yeah. Maybe we can awesome. Maybe we can shoot it here. Yeah? That yeah. would be awesome. I'll tell you about it when we turn the cameras off. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's awesome. What What's next you? for you? No, you go first. What's next for me? Well, I'm, I'm on tour currently. I'm going to Bahrain next, inshallah. Mm. I've got to make my flight tonight before you guys get into it with Israel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, are you, are you still in Lebanon? I'm like, yeah. They're like, be careful. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I think I'm kind of far away from what's going on. Dude, we're not even careful. <laughs> um, so go to Bahrain, um, uh, Qatar, Oman, Kuwait got canceled, mm. unfortunately. Then I go to London. I'm performing at the uh, prestigious and legendary Leicester Square Theater. Nice. Um, and then I go back to L.A. I'm pretty much in L.A. through November. I have some little one-off shows here and there. Then I'm doing some shows in Chicago, end of November. And then I'm doing my second cruise line. Um, there's a big cruise ship circuit mm -hmm. for comics. Nice. And I couldn't crack that egg for a while um, because I think because of my race and my name. Okay. Um, a lot of my white, black, and Mexican friend, comic friends, mm. they're getting booked left and right. Norwegian Cruise Line, Carnival Cruise Line. Is it the one that goes through Mexico or like? They're, they go everywhere. They go everywhere, okay. But I, I had two different agents that could not get me booked. And I said, it has to be my, my name and, and race. Yeah. <laughs> and then what, one of my agents said, well, you know, the, the people that go on these cruise ships are like white people from middle America. And I'm like, so? Funny's funny. <laughs> They're like, yeah, well, they might not get your humor. I was on The Tonight Show. 
exactly. That audience on the Tonight Show are on yeah. these, the same people on these fucking cruise ships. Of yeah. course, they're gonna get my material. <laughs> so I, I couldn't crack that egg for a while. Then I got with a really uh, great agent, a cool guy named Glenn Foster, who is a uh, he's like a comedy magician, yeah. but he also books comics. And he took me on as a client, and he got me my first cruise gig. Um, a few months back on a cruise line called MSC, a mm. Mediterranean Shipping Company. Yeah. They were a shipping company that has uh, transcended yeah. and transformed into cruise they, lines. They do the Europe. Uh, they do Europe yeah. and they do the Mediterranean, but they've never, they just started doing North America recently. Okay. So I was the second comedian ever to be booked on their cruise line and it was fantastic. Mm. Can you imagine being on a cruise and doing stand-up comedy? And like, let's say you have a heckler, or like, let's say you like you don't do a good job, you're still gonna be on that cruise, getting from yeah. these people after the show. Well, thankfully enough, I did. It's funny because I did. I was on this cruise. We went through the Bahamas, and there were two uh, two of us, two comedians, and one comic. Um, he didn't want to do the whole cruise. He just wanted to do half of it. Mm. So he made a deal to disembark in the Bahamas, and then I kind of picked up where he left off, and I did four shows. And the first two shows I did were 400 seat, like theater in the round. And I killed it. It was like, mm -hmm. it was like I was ready. I was just ready to go. And, you know, it's interesting because you're on the cruise ship and, every, you know, there's 4,000 people. And let's say, you know, 10% of the uh, passengers see you. And you're like a, you're an instant celebrity. Mm. Yep. You know, you're walking around the cruise no, ship. Everybody wants like, to hey, talk to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Can we take a picture? Yeah. It's like, you didn't know me th three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun. You know, it's, it's, there's something rewarding about it because, and you know, because you lived in Hollywood. When you live in L.A. and you don't get the accolades or recognition that you feel like you deserve, um, it's, it's depressing. Mm. When we first, first started doing the Access of Evil comedy tour back in uh, 2007, we were driving through like downtown Cairo, Egypt, and our, our big billboards on the highway with myself and mm. Maz Jabrani, and like, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm on a billboard <laughs> in Cairo, Egypt, where 30 million people can see me. Yeah, people in, 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 uh, people in Egypt and Lebanon and uh, Dubai, they wait for you guys. Uh, they yeah, they like, appreciate the comedy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even, even, the, even the U.S., some parts of the U.S., they're kind of like us. Like They actually want comedy to be raunchy. They want comedy to be comedy. Mm. But it's just like depending on where you are. Well, New York City is, is like that. Like you, yeah. can, you can go to New York City. If you really want to be a, a, a good and polish your stand-up comedy and be a good stand-up comedian... I always tell people, start in New York, yeah. you know, grind it out in New York. They'll tell you the truth in New York. Mm -hmm. Well, they say, they say not they, the, the, the idea of being a successful stand-up comedian is you build your act in New York City, you go to L.A. to sell it. Yeah. Oh, nice. So I've heard that. Makes I sense. Th yeah. I think I heard uh, like Ray Romano or someone like that say it. Yeah, Ray Romano probably yeah. said it. I mean, you know, I, I, I was a serious film actor before I got into comedy. But I kept on getting typecast to play the terrorist, the cab driver, the sleazy Arab yeah. guy, and I just got sick of it. But I was working. I was working in like big blockbuster movies. I was in Iron Man. I was in yeah. you, you Don't Mess With the Zohan. I was an executive decision. But it was the same character over and mm -hmm. over and over. And I just wanted to break out of it. And I finally got my shot. Um, not my shot. I worked my way up to be a, a, a pretty good stand-up comedian. And then I eventually got on a sitcom called Sullivan and Son yeah. that um, Vince Vaughn and Peter Billingsley uh, executive produced. And I just played a guy named Ahmed or Ahmed. I, I used to watch that show. Oh, you did? I, I watched that show. You were the only one who watched it. I was the, the only one who watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually liked the funny thing. I actually liked the show. Like, actually, it was entertaining. It was, it was fun. Funny. I, yeah. We were all kind of we were all kind of bummed out and depressed that they canceled it after three seasons, but. That's that's what happens in Hollywood. Like it was like a, it was like a chill, easy laugh. Yeah, it wasn't like I can tell like it didn't get all the like the audiences because like people weren't talking about it. But yeah. if you actually start watching it, you will like you can actually watch many episodes. Yeah, of that. there was we had some really talented actors on that show, and um, it was the first time ever in my career I got to play just like a I was I played a tow truck driver. Uh, like this whole, but they kept your name as it. Kept my name, <laughs> yeah. but I was this like 40-year-old like hopeless romantic who was a tow truck driver. 
Mm. It was like, remember the show Cheers? Yeah. The same guy who was the showrunner of Cheers was the showrunner for our show. Mm. So it was just a bunch of people hanging out at a bar in Pittsburgh. And it was fun. It was very easy. It was the first time you played something opposite new. of yeah. Yeah, yeah well it was the first time i played something that wasn't a stereotype mm. yeah. but then but then in the show we would we would poke on stereotypes oh okay so like brian doyle murray was on the show he he played like the town racist he, um he bill murray's brother mm. he, one of the funniest most talented guys i've ever worked with he'd always he'd always poke at like the roy wood jr who's a black uh comic and actor mm. He would poke fun at him and do black jokes. He would poke at me and do Arab jokes. You know, he'd poke at the way he like no, nobody was safe on that show. Yeah. Um, and that that's the, that was the beauty of that TV show was that everybody got thrown under the bus. It yeah. wasn't just and it was ethnic. good like ensemble cast. Oh like, yeah, cast, Christine like, Ebersol, yeah. two-time Tony Award-winning actress, uh, Dan Loria, who was the father on The Wonder Years. Yeah. Uh, Jody Long, who's a really uh, very talented, well-known. Um, film, TV, and theater actress. Uh, Steve Byrne, who wrote and uh, produced it, mm-hmm. uh, well-known comedian. It ran for like what, two, two seasons maybe? Three. Three seasons. Yeah. That's good. Three yeah, seasons. It was fine. Look, look, I had, we run the Warner Brothers lot. Yeah. I had a parking spot with my name on it. I had a dressing room with my name on it. Mm. You know. Well, no, well, what were you asked for? <laughs> no, it was like I was getting paid to go have fun every day. Yeah. yeah. And that's the whole idea of our industry is if, if you're not, I don't call it work. You know, you're going not, to a bar set. You know, if you're like having if you're bar. having fun at work, it's not work. Yeah, exactly. That's true. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Ahmed, thank you so so much. Habibi, shukran. I Habibi. <laughs> like we got like I know I, I contact you on Instagram. I'm like, do you think it's gonna happen? Do you think he'll say yes? Like, do you think he'll respond? Yeah, I love, man, I, I love I love doing. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. I, I love doing podcasts and especially like. I don't know when I'm going to come back to Beirut, hopefully mm. soon, but I was watching some of your episodes. I saw your Instagram page and I was like, all right, these guys are doing something really cool. Yeah, yeah we just started like two months ago. You told me that. Yeah. 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 But and, and you are our f- first guest. So. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought I saw some. Like, I guess I, I no, did. No, we had a lineup, but we're like, the second you said yes, I'm mm. like, let's push him a little bit. <laughs> you know what? Let's bring him as a first guest. And we well, I'm honored. I'm honored so to be the first. We do appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thank you, you so much. Sure. Thank you, man. Thank we'll you, work man. together soon. <laughs> See you guys next episode. Thank Bye. you guys. Peace out. Thank you. Bye.